With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. episode of the Rock Chalk Talk podcast. This is Andy Mitz. Once again, I'm joined by David Potter and Grad from the site. How are you guys doing tonight? Fantastic. All right. So we're going to go ahead and jump in, obviously, with this being our Friday episode and with the, the most important event since in, in the last few months happening, um, if you don't count, you know, the volleyball season opening as well. It's our football season opener uh, is going to be tomorrow against Southeast Missouri State in Lawrence. Um, what, what are you guys expecting to see in that game? I mean, I'll, I'll kind of leave that pretty open-ended for you. Um, obviously, with this being what you would consider a, a lesser-tier opponent, um, you know, we, we could see a lot from the team. We could see them kind of pulling out all the stops to impress people. We could see them kind of holding back, not wanting to tip their hand too much for Central Michigan coming up the next week. What, what do you guys expect to see? Um, kind of describe what it is you're looking for. We'll go ahead and start with blood. Blood. <laughs> go ahead, jump right in, guys. Elaborate on blood. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean seriously though, I, I think the the biggest thing uh, to pay attention to is the uh, is the line play, uh, offensive defensive line. I mean, it's one of those things where. I mean, you think especially. I mean, there's, there's, on both sides of the ball. I mean, offensively, it's wow. It would be really nice if the offensive line took a nice step forward this year, which we're kind of expecting them to do. You know, um, center and left tackle guys that played almost all of last season as true freshmen. Uh, you've got you know Baldwin hopefully offering an upgrade at right tackle. Um, the guard positions, you know, the guys like like Jacob Bragg, who've kind of been with the program for several years now, and you think that they should be at this point, you know, hopefully at least Big 12 starter 
level. So, I mean, offensive line, you hope that, you know, there's protection for the quarterbacks, there's holes in the running game. Defensive line, I mean, you're pretty much hoping there's the constant pressure. You know, Daniel Wise should be causing problems, you know, in the middle. Armstrong should hopefully, you know, get a sack, maybe even a couple sacks. And we saw last year that he, you know, against the right opponent, he seemed to kind of, you know, assemble a lot of his sacks kind of in bunches. You know, he would be quiet a game or two, and then all of a sudden he'd go off for like, you know, two or three sacks in the game. Um, so, you know, I think that's the biggest case when you're, when you're going against a, you know, smaller directional school. I mean, the line play, I think, is going to tell you a lot. Um, as far as the actual game, I mean, I'm expecting KU to win, uh, you know, fairly comfortably. There's, there's going to be mistakes. There's probably going to be a couple times where you're just like, oh, my God, like, this is terrible. Like, I can't believe this. We're going to not win any games again, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we've seen that the last couple of years. And, well, that's actually kind of mostly been true. You know, at the end of the day, all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, like, we suck, but we won by 20. So I, I think it's going to be a game like that. Uh, there's going to be some there's going to be some sloppy mistakes. We'll probably maybe have a turnover or two. The defense might give up a couple big plays, but at the end of the day, I mean, I think you're going to look at something like probably like a I don't know like a 42 to 24, 42 to 28 type of win. That's kind of what I'm expecting, and you know, hopefully it'll be more than that. But I just think you know there's going to be some sloppy play, and you know, the team's still going to be kind of adjusting and learning and the offense you know I think there'll be some big plays just because there's an athleticism advantage but you know on on the other hand it's going to be you know some mistakes as well so yeah last time we played them we won 34 to 28 uh you know we had a gigantic lead and we kind of blew it in the fourth quarter the defense made some mistakes the offense couldn't move the ball I think you're probably looking at you know 10 15 maybe even 20 points better than that um, but at the other hand, there'll be enough mistakes where it's not like a complete annihilation um, like we'd hope to see. Yeah, I, I'm hoping it's not even that close. Um, I'm looking at Jeff Sagarin's ratings. He's one of the only ones who will mix uh, FCS and FBS so you can kind of get an idea of where teams are at. Um, you know, last season, Rhode Island, who we just beat the snot out of, finished 216th in his rankings, and he's got – Southeast Missouri State ranked uh, 208th in his preseason rankings this year. So we're talking about a team that's not much better than that Rhode Island team that that really looked like a high school squad last year. Um, so uh, I mean, if there are really any struggles at all, you know, this is a team that went three and eight at the FCS level last year. It's going to be a really bad sign. Um, and so I'm definitely hoping to see more of a blowout, something more along the lines of what we saw against Rhode Island last year. What I'm expecting to see is probably something in between that, that closer game we had in 2014 where they came back and made the game late and, you know, the beatdown on Rhode Island last year. Um, I, I think it'll be a comfortable win. I You know, I, I don't think we have to even play particularly well to win this one. Um you know, the offensive line, like Brad said, has been together now a little more and, and, and should be a little more uh, gelled already going into the season. So hopefully there will be more protection for whoever's playing quarterback, maybe some more holes for the running backs to run through. We really haven't seen that in years. Um, but maybe there will at least be some against Southeast Missouri State, if, if not the rest of the season. But 
I, I think they'll be able to score some points. I, I have some questions about the secondary just because we don't really know much about the guys who are going to be back there. So I, I can see – I'll admit I haven't really looked into Southeast Missouri much, so I, I don't know what kind of offense they run, what kind of quarterback they have. But if they have any kind of passing game, they may be able to find some holes here and there. Um, but I, I think it'll be something more along the lines of like 45, 17, you know, something that's that's never really particularly close and where, you know, even if we make some mistakes, it doesn't really hurt us that much. Yeah, I'm hoping you guys are right that our offense can kind of get off um, pretty early and kind of get moving. Um, because, I, I, you know, I really think that that's probably the best way that we're going to get up to in, in, in the 40s. I would love to see us there. I, I do have just some concerns just with timing of the offense, you know, kind of every, everything we've talked about with the quarterbacks this, this week already, that there's just not going to be that consistency, even with a team that that's, a, that's you know, at that much of a lower level than, than we're expecting our team to be. So I could see our, our offense potentially having some issues, um, you know, maybe having some, some problems getting up past the low 30s unless we have some defensive scores. Which I think is is probably the way this game is going to go is that we're going to have a very strong defensive showing. We're going to have a a decent offensive output where they're going to score a few. Going to make us kind of wonder: Is this because it's against a team that's not very good, kind of the way we had last year with Rhode Island, and then went out and just got stomped by a Memphis team on the road? Um, I, I'm I'm kind of hesitant to read too much into what happens in this game unless both. You know, unless it's just a really poor showing and then it's a, oh, well, the sky's falling. We're going to have a much worse team than we were expecting. I just don't know how much we can take out of this game um, moving forward unless it's, you know, bad news for the team. Because we saw that last year. There was lots of optimism. Rhode Island, we completely destroyed them and then immediately turned around and laid an egg the next week. And all of that momentum that we thought we had, all of that, you know, good, good feelings we thought we had were completely gone. And it became pretty evident pretty quickly, you know, that the team was having serious issues deciding on how they were going to run their quarterbacks. And we're, we're already kind of seeing the same signs this week. Um, you know, even, even if we're at the point now where, and, and, and we're actually recording this before Friday, so they, they haven't named the starting QB yet. Um, but even if they've named one at this point, just a few days before, um, the, the the game, you know, we still have not really had that chance to build up before and solidify that offense. So I'm definitely concerned about what's going to happen with the offense. But ultimately, you know, this is a team that is not going to be very good this year in, in, in South Dakota State. Um, and so I am expecting at home for us to, to go ahead and actually get a very convincing win. But I, I'm not so confident that we're actually going to have something, you know, to feel good about coming out of this. Yeah, and I'd, I'd say, too, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely – it's not the greatest game ever. I mean, there's probably – there's reasons to panic about some things, but on the other hand, I mean, there's examples of KU teams in the past, you know, kind of being a little sluggish right out the gate. I mean, in, uh, you know, the final year of the, the Charlie Wise reign of terror, um, you know, we, we only beat this team by six points. I mean, they legitimately came back enough where they had an onside kick with like a minute left. And thank God we recovered. Otherwise, we honestly may have lost <laughs> the way the defense was playing at that point. But, you know, it, we so there was that game. 
And then, you know, one week later, we lost to Rice by a point in the game that we just absolutely should have won. We outplayed them. We had a lead. We somehow blew in the fourth quarter. And the week after that, I mean, we comfortably beat Central Michigan. I think it was like a, like 24 to 10. I think it was something like that was the final score. So, I mean, we've seen in the past, even with like the, the, the KU teams that aren't good, you know, instances where, you know, first game, you know, struggled, some things didn't go our way, but, you know, even even that team was able to beat Central Michigan, should have beaten Rice, you know, killed Iowa State later in the year, nearly beat, you know, number four or five at the time, TCU. I can't remember what it was. So there's examples of that, or even going back to Mangino days, you know, there was a year where we beat Louisiana Monroe 21-19. Um, I think it was 2006. I mean, like, barely beat Louisiana Monroe, and that team still ended up going 6-6. Six and six. You know, becoming bowl eligible, winning three Big 12 games. Um, so, I mean, there's there are times where, you know, a team just struggles a little bit in the non-con and, you know, just needs a little bit of time to get things rolling. So, I, I think it's one of those games where, you know, like I said, you know, pay attention to some things over others. If, if there's a few issues with the quarterbacks and receivers and timing and round and things like that, I mean, that's stuff that can, can, can get corrected, but – you know, if it looks like KU really isn't able to really impose their will from a physicality standpoint, especially on the line, I think then it's time to, you know, start to worry a little bit. Like, oh, okay, well, we're still a couple years away from being halfway decent. <laughs> yeah, I, I would definitely agree. It's not, uh, it's not a game that you can use to, you know, predict how the rest of the season is going to go. Um, you know, obviously last year we beat Rhode Island 55 to six, and then we all know how the rest of the year went. If we hadn't beaten Texas, we would have ended on an 11 game losing streak. And, you know, this Southeast Missouri team could be, you know, in, in a similar quality or at a similar quality level to that Rhode Island team. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I mean, if it's a blowout win, I, I'm not going to start, you know, marking us down for wins the rest of the non-con or anything. Um, if it is a close loss, you know, Louisiana Monroe is different because, you know, that's a smaller FBS team. Southeast Missouri is a bad or FBS team. Southeast Missouri is a bad FCS team. Uh, so if, if this is a close game at all, I think there's legitimate reason to be concerned. Um, Grad, to your point, I, I think it's always going to be one of those things we have to look at what's going wrong. Um, you know, if the offensive line can't open up space for the running backs to operate against this team, Southeast Missouri, then you know that that's that's an issue um, because we we've seen what the, we we've seen how big a weakness the offensive line has been for this team for really just about since Mangino left. Um, you know, if they're not able to open up space for the running backs to get five six yards of carry on average for the night, then you know, that that's going to be an issue. If the wide receivers after um, – we know Stephen Sims can get it done, but after him, if the receivers aren't getting open, can't beat the cornerbacks down the line, you know, that that's going to be an issue. If, uh, if if our secondary just can't keep up with their wide receivers, you know, and, you know if it's a communication error and a safety doesn't cover over the top when he's supposed to, you know, like Rad said, that's the sort of thing that can be fixed. But, you know, if our corners can't keep up with Southeast Missouri's wide receivers – uh, kind of like what we saw um, against uh, what was it South Dakota State two years ago, where the the corners just got crushed. Now that was a much better, you know, that Southeast Dakota State team or South Dakota State team 
uh, went to the FCS playoffs, so they were much better. But I mean, our corners just couldn't couldn't cover them. Uh, so if there's anything like that, any signs like that, then this is, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'll be ready to, uh, I'll, I'll be starting the David Beatty needs to be fired talk early. But I, again, I don't really expect that. I think this team's a little more settled in, a little more, uh, you know, outside of the secondary. It, you've got more returning players um, than what we were looking at two years ago. So I, I, I don't expect this to be a loss or a close game or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I would have to agree with that. So I guess we'll, we'll go ahead and pivot real quick. Um, you know, we don't we don't want to make this last episode a little bit too long, but um, let's since, since there's not a lot to talk about with that Southeast Missouri State team, um, let's let's look at the rest of the non-conference too to kind of give us an early indication of what we think we'll see in those first three games. Um, obviously, after Southeast Missouri State, we have Central Michigan, uh, which. From all indications, it's probably going to be a difficult game for us. Um, this is the same team that, that beat Oklahoma State on that controversial play beginning of last year. They didn't really lose a ton, um, so they're probably going to be a fairly similar team. This would be a really big win for us, I think, if we were able to pull that off. And then after that, we actually go on the road to Ohio. Um, so any any thoughts about those those two games, guys? Um, I think it's, it's definitely – oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, now go for it. Okay. Um, no, I was just going to say, I, I think it's definitely, it's a huge opportunity because, you know, if you, if you look at kind of like what's gone wrong with KU football and we could start with like a thousand different things, including who we've hired as the athletic director and the coaches and all that. But I mean, really the, the biggest difference is at, at some point from the mid two thousands to now, KU went from being in a position where, you know, games like this where maybe they weren't like 100% a given, but they were actually pretty close. I mean, apart from KU's loss at Toledo um, in 2006, I mean, most of the games that they had against MAC opponents or, you know, kind of similar leagues, I mean, were pretty comfortable wins. I mean, they beat Tulsa pretty convincingly. They killed Toledo. Um, they they lost to in 2004. They lost to Toledo in 2006. Killed in 2007. Uh, I mean, they were even able to beat you know Central Michigan by double digits in in Weiss's last year when you know KU wasn't very good. So you know, I, I think just from you know not even from a win loss standpoint, but just kind of a where are we at as a program standpoint. I mean, if we want to be able to take the next level and go from being you know kind of a bottom feeder to to moving up a notch to being you know, kind of where, you know, even like Iowa State's been the last, you know, several years where it's like, okay, we might only, we might not make a bowl, but you know what, we might win three, four, five games. And at the very least, you know, we're, we're probably going to handle most of our non-con games and then we might scare a big 12 team or two and pick up, you know, two, two league wins and then maybe two or three non-con wins. I mean, you, you, you kind of have to take baby steps when you're as bad as we are. And I mean, you know, kind of the next step is being able to get to the point where it's like, okay, who knows how many league games we're going to win? Probably not a lot. I mean, this year we're probably looking at somewhere between, hope, you know, hopefully one. I mean, it's, it's not going to be more than three. We're not going to win more than three Big 12 games this year. And that even three is probably a really big stretch. But, you know, when you're, you know, dealing with MAC teams, I mean, it's can you take the next step and get to the point where it's like, okay, we have a MAC team at home, we beat them, or you know, even a MAC team on the road, 
we haven't won on the road in ages. You know, can we beat them? So I, I think it's it's really. I mean, I don't think people are kind of talking about it enough. In that it's it's is really kind of a really big, you know, measuring measuring age for the program. Where are we at from a developmental perspective? Or if we split the two games, you go two and the one in the non-con. It's like okay. I can live with that. You know, we beat the Mac team at home. Then we lost the Mac team on the road. You know, maybe it was a close game, but I mean, if we go out and decidedly lose to two Mac teams, I mean, we're talking at the level we lost last year to Ohio. What was it? 37, 21. I mean, if we lose both games by double digits, I mean, you're at the point then where it's like, okay, we're at year three and we've kind of seen zero progress here. So I think I, I think both games are, are honestly huge. I mean, maybe even bigger than the Big 12 season in that, you know, the next step for this program is getting to the point where they can go out and beat MAC teams. So, you know, let's see if they can do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of ultimatums. There are obviously shades of gray in between black and white. Uh, but I, I would definitely say I'm pretty close to a point where, like, if we don't win – two out of three non-conference games this year, then, you know, the team had really better get going during the conference schedule because, you know, depending on how much you like S&P, their their preseason rankings have Central Michigan 100th in FBS, and they've got Ohio at 108th. So these aren't – this isn't like playing some of those upstart MAC teams like some of those – uh, Toledo teams, Central Michigan teams from you know ten years ago, um, Northern Illinois. You know it, that that's not who we're playing. We're playing two bad teams from the MAC, who's really fallen off in recent years. Um, and one of them is at home, and then Ohio, the who's you know at least predicted to be the worst of the two teams. That one's the one on the road. So you know you know maybe if we lose both of them by one point on you know flukes, then you know okay, but for the most part, you know, I, I would say if we don't win two of them and are at least very competitive in the third, then we need to really take a look at whether this program is actually trending upward or if it's just treading water. Because, uh, again, these just aren't two good opponents. Um, and like Brad said, if we lose by double digits, then, you know, there are there, there definitely problems um, and problems that we have to really question whether David Beatty's prepared to handle them. Then on the other side of that, if they go out and win both of those, especially going on the road, breaking the, uh, that, that losing streaks and what, what's it been since 2009 when we beat UTEP? Is that the last road win? Uh, I, I think it's been that long. So, you know, if they, if they can go out even against a bad Ohio team and win on the road and start the season three and zero, assuming they can get past central Michigan at home, then, you know, I, I think they are, legitimately good feelings to be had at that point. So um, this, in some ways, this non-conference season could kind of uh, set the tone for whether David Beatty's really going to be on the hot seat by the end of the year or not. Yeah, I think definitely um, we have the potential with those three non-conference teams to really set it up as one way or another, either really, really good, um, you know, really, really good progress that we're expecting to see or, just really kind of derailing any talk we had of momentum that Beatty was bringing to the program or anything like that. So these, I mean, I think these are definitely very important games for us. Um, real, real quick, you said that Central Michigan was at 100 in S&P and then Ohio was 108. Where is, where is Kansas coming in the year? 
Um, sadly, they are at uh, 118. So if you're if you're okay. just going by that, then we would actually be underdogs in both of those games. Right. So I would. I mean, I would probably expect that we should be able to beat Central Michigan at home, um, just because we're at home. It's still. I don't even necessarily know we would be favored in that game, but um, you know, I would still think that talent-wise, they're probably close enough to even that, that the home field advantage should help them pull that one out. But the one in, you know, on the road at Ohio, I don't know that I'm really expecting anything from that. Um, but I think I would agree that you probably would, would at least hope for close games or to, to split that, even if you don't get blown out by Central Michigan but are able to come back and get a solid win against Ohio on the road. Um, potentially that, that could cancel out the negative effects of that loss against Central Michigan. But but I mean, what, what kind of, and sorry to interrupt, but like, I, I obviously, you know, if Kansas is ranked 118, that's probably a good indicator that, you know, they, they could be underdogs in those games. It's not, it'd be really close, but even so, you know, we are in year three and, and we're no longer at that depleted roster point where we can really use that as an excuse. So I, I think it's still, it's still a reflection on, on the trajectory of the program and, and David Beatty's ability if in year three, you know, we're we're still earning that 118th preseason ranking and, and losing both of those games. Right. Yeah. There's. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of built-in excuses that they could use, but I don't I don't know that we could justify them as actually being valid excuses. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we definitely need to see some sort of progress. So. Um, well, and think about too. I mean, if this program, I mean, let's be real, it's probably not going to happen because you know f our lives but i mean if this program somehow started out three and oh you've got two of your most winnable games of the year from a big 12 perspective coming up in the first couple of weeks you have a&m at home and west virginia at home and you know i'm pretty confident saying right now that both those teams are going to be you know kind of fifth or sixth or worse in the big 12 um i mean i i think both tech and west virginia are probably going to be you know, maybe good enough to sneak in a bowl, but I mean, they're they're not going to be in the top, you know, three or four of the league. And and you have both those teams at home, so all of a sudden it's like, the first three weeks of the year, you got those teams at home and a road trip to Iowa State. And so you're really looking at a, a scenario where it's like, if we're going to get a league win or two league wins, it honestly may have to come in the first two or three, you know, probably the first three weeks of the season. And it's a big deal too. I mean, all of a sudden, if you have a team that starts out three and zero, is is really confident, you know, feeling good about themselves, getting better every week, you know, there, there's a chance where you know, just kind of getting. I'm not a big you know momentum guy, but I mean, all of a sudden, you know, if, even if we only go two and one in the non-con, but you know, we beat one Mac opponent pretty soundly, and maybe the other one, we lose on a on a long field goal or something like we lost to Rice a few years ago. I mean, you're going into those Big 12 games with a ton of confidence. You're saying, you know, we, we beat Texas last year. We we're, we're, we have a winning record right now for the non-con. You know, we can go out and beat these teams, or at the very least come really close to doing it. Whereas, you know, I feel like if we start one and two, and, and our two MAC opponents, you know, handle us pretty convincingly, you know, you might start seeing where some of the players, and we saw this a lot, especially the Gill the Gill era where, you know, players kind of just stop buying in and they're like, we suck, you know, <laughs> what are we going to do? You know, they love me and they go out and they get rolled. So I, I think, you know, it, there's definitely a situation where 
I could see KU football. I mean, honest to God, starting three and two, and maybe even four and one. I know that sounds like absolutely incredible to say, but I mean, I think it's actually a possibility. Unfortunately, there's the same possibility that we start one and four. So, I mean, there's a lot of you know kind of toss ups and what ifs, and you know things that I think can kind of go either way. Um, you know, really, not only just the the first, you know, the the two non-con games after the first game, but the three, the first three league games as well. So, I'm I'm really interested to see what happens. Yeah, it should definitely be real interesting. Kind of to to expand on that point, though, um, you know, this this schedule is really set up for, you know, a potential big surprise year similar to that 2007 year. You know, we we talked about how fortunate it was in terms of the breaks and, and the timing and kind of building that momentum and letting it move, you know, roll forward from week to week. Um, to kind of build on your point, you know, Texas Tech and West Virginia are probably the two most winnable games at home. Um, but going at Iowa State is probably our most likely place to get a road win. And then at TCU, a team that, despite the fact that they've consistently been much better, um, much more highly ranked, much, you know, much more consistent of a team, we have yet to have a game against them where it was a complete blowout before the fourth quarter. Um, and even then, it was kind of, you know, just being finally the, the, the dam finally broke. But we've had so many games against them that are so close that we should have won. Um, that could potentially be another game, you know, that's right there at the right time. And then once you've gotten that far along, if somehow, not saying it's going to happen or even very likely at all, if somehow you were to win your games and kind of roll those moving up, you know, then at that point you're you're a seven and O team, you know, and you've gotten the, the you have the meat of your schedule coming up, but you've got tons of confidence in a team that wasn't expected to do anything. I mean, it, it sets itself up to have the potential if we can get things rolling to have a out, you know way out in left field, out of nowhere surprise of a season. I don't obviously I don't think that's going to come anywhere close to happening, but the schedule is set up the best that you could ask for it to be set up, especially in a conference where you play everybody every year. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of potential here, um, but that all is predicated on getting started right, getting those first three wins, and honestly being convincing enough in them that these guys can have the confidence moving forward that they can compete in the Big 12. So, Yeah, I mean, you, you, always, want, you always want to get wins, you know, as early in the season as possible. So, I mean, I definitely agree with that. I mean, if KU somehow, I mean, absolutely, this is a giant somehow. I mean, if they somehow started out even like like four and two after their first six games, I mean, you absolutely want to be in that situation because, you know, a team that's at four wins that has several games to play has a completely different attitude than a team, you know, that is kind of at, you know, two and four, one and five. It's kind of like, okay, we're going to go out there and we're going to keep playing hard and keep working, but, you know, we can't even make a bowl. But, I mean, and we've kind of seen that with KU teams in the past, though, where, you know, teams that kind of had a little a little something more to play for. You know, even like the, the 2006 KU team, you know, had a bunch of early losses, blew those fourth quarter leads, but, you know, they went on a, you know, got hot at the end of the year. They killed K-State, you know, got things rolling a little bit. And, and all of a sudden, you know, beat Colorado. And, and you could, but I think a lot of that was, you know, the team was, was kind of at the point where like, God, if we just go out and win a couple games, you know, we're going to make a bowl. 
and have a winning season. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, just kind of that viewpoint, I think it's definitely it's the schedule done, done them a big favor where if they can pick up, like, kind of the marquee win early on, I mean, from a, you know, mental standpoint, I think that would be absolutely huge for the program. All right. Any, any final thoughts before we wrap up? I think I'm good. All right. So we, we didn't get a chance to talk about um, anything like the volleyball team. I think I'm going to cover that with Mike next week. But, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's some good uh, results from there. They went 3-0 and their first opening weekend with two wins against NC State. I'm sure we'll break that down more with him next week. But, uh, you know, good uh, – just have to say good luck to the guys on Saturday. Hopefully we can uh, come back next week and be celebrating a win. Thanks, thanks for joining me, guys, and thanks, you guys, for listening. Uh, we will talk to you next time on the Rock Talk Talk Podcast. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.